Well, today my topic is ghosts, goblins, and a holy god. And if you are paying attention, today is October the 31st. Well, I hope you still have a little bit of a kid inside you to remember that October 31st is Halloween. Do you remember that? Ah, yes. I remember in some places we uh, have been in our lives where the trick-or-treaters come and when they go by our house, you don't even, there's so many of them that you don't even close the door. You just stand and dish it out until it's gone. I remember one place we had had so many trick-or-treaters come one week, uh, one time, one year, that in 15 minutes, all of our big thing of candy was completely gone. Amazing, huh? Halloween, Halloween, a big, big deal, Halloween. I think maybe Hershey's is the sponsor of Halloween or something like that. I don't, I don't know. My dad always wanted to know if it was the American Dental Association that might be sponsoring Halloween for those starving dentists who need a boost uh, from their deal. But, but this morning, I wanted to tag on to this day because there's a religious connection. Did you know to Halloween? There's a religious connection. And it's kind of interesting, that religious connection. And it raises all kinds of thoughts. Well, in actual fact, tomorrow is All Saints Day. Now, it's a Roman Catholic holiday that they have had for many, many centuries. And it's a day that is set aside, set aside to honor the saints. It's the idea that the saints are going to be closer here to all of us on All Saints Day. It also has another name that's also better known in, in, over the years as All Hallows Day. Does that sound familiar to you? Halloween, Hallows Day, yeah? Come together. So All Saints Day has a specific meaning. So if you look it up, you'll find that All Saints Day, a day commemorating all the saints of the church, both known and unknown, who have attained heaven, in Roman Catholicism, the feast is usually a holy day of obligation. So over the years and over the centuries, the All Saints Day, November, 30, November 1st, excuse me, is thought of as being the great day, All, All Saints Day. Well, in order to do that, then along, if we're going to have all the saints come, and it's going to be a great thing, well, then the night before, all the evil spirits and all those, they have to leave, you see. They have to get up and leave and go. Because in the morning, all the saints will be here. Now, we may smile at that and think, well, that's kind of unusual. That's different. We may think at that. But that's actually the background a little bit to, to what goes on about Halloween. It has a religious connection. Now, i got to give you a disclaimer here today. Because I, I don't want to have all the children uh, upset with me. Um, as I grew up, I went trick-or-treating. And I didn't get involved with any religious thing. I just went out to get the candy, get dressed up and go get candy. I remember coming home with bags of candy that we'd been out. And when we got home with our candy, my mom and dad would make us dump it out on the floor. And then they would decide what ones we could have. And then they would say to us, well, all they, uh, you know, we'll put some aside. And usually the stuff we set aside, we never saw again. Because they limited to us how much candy we were going to eat that night. And in the 
foreseeable future. But I remember coming along with lots of bags. So this talk today is not about trick-or-treating. Can we have that understanding? Right? I'm, I'm not here to tell you how to run your life, how to run your children, what to do. But that's the point. But with a religious connection, with a religious connection, is there any cause for concern? Since it has a religious connection, is there something that we should be aware of as we live through our life? Is there something that we should know about? Well, to be honest, frequently Halloween theme is the spirit world of the dead, is it not? Why I go around my neighborhood, and as I was out walking my little dog, Lily, as we were out walking, we were going down the street, and there was a huge skeleton. It must have been nine feet tall. This huge skeleton standing in the, this people's yard. It had a Trump flag in it, and I don't know if there was something political about that at all, but, but it had this huge skeleton there. Why was the skeleton? Well, it was getting ready for Halloween. And we have all kinds of Halloween stuff and things like that. And it's the leading of the saints, the, the death, you see, the dead, the spirits of the dead going up. So it's unspoken idea, maybe not talked about a lot, that the dead aren't really dead. Did you catch that? Now this is important. Not, let's, let's not worry about the trick-or-treating and the dressing up for a minute, but let's, let's take a step back a little bit, if you would. Take a step back, and the concept that actually came out of Greek mythology, out of Greek thought, not out of the Bible, not out of Judaism, not out of Christianity originally. In Greek thought, the dead aren't really dead. After you die, your spirit, your soul, then, and many people have believed, or they, can be transferred to something else. You know, they could, so if you die, maybe your spirit will be a dog, if you weren't a good person. Or something else. And so, like in Hinduism and so forth, that, that concept, that idea that you're, you're going to have to continue to pay, that spirit's going to continue to have to pay. So, when a person dies and they say, well, their soul went to heaven. I remember when um, John Kennedy was assassinated. And um, when he was assassinated, the next day, the paper came out. I remember, we were all terribly shaken by this event when he was assassinated. The next day, the paper came out and said, Kennedy with God. And that somehow that his spirit and his soul had gone. Well, Roman Catholicism said, wait a minute, wait a minute, he's Catholic, he's gone to purgatory. So we're not, we're not quite there. But the whole concept, the whole idea behind it was that the spirit was separate from the body. And that, therefore, when the wages of sin is death, it's really not. See? So does Halloween fun, does the fun we're having at Halloween, have any connection with spiritualism? Now that's, that's something we need to think about. Don't worry about the trick-or-treaters and the candy and, the, and all the decorations. We're not worried about that. We're right. is, there, is there something that has a connection with spiritualism? So spiritualism is a religion, a religious movement, based on the belief that the spirits of the dead exist and have both the ability 
and the inclination to communicate with the living. The afterlife, the thing that comes after life, or the spirit world, is seen by spiritualists not as a static place, but as one in which spirits continue to evolve. Now, I want us to be very careful of not forcing something on someone else, all right? So, in Roman Catholicism, their practice of it is not really what we would consider spiritualism in the technical form. We would not. Even though they believe that when a person dies, their soul either goes to purgatory or to heaven or to hell, that thing happens. But in, in the spirit world, in spiritualism, they may see, well, there's no re formal religious connection to anything. Not any church, not any denomination, not any reformer. That it's just a view and a look at the spirit world going around, spirit world around it. Now, it's tempting for me as a theologian for us to take a lot of time this morning and to tell you and teach you about the far different view of the truth in the Bible about the dead. I could look at many, many texts in the Bible that talk about that so that we would not be confused. If you are concerned or have some question about that or are looking at that, I'd be happy to share those with you. But that's not my purpose today. It would be important. It would be important to help you. But I'm not going to go there today. I was tempted. I almost thought I said, well, we could go on and preach for another hour about that or an hour and a half. But with patience, I said, no, we're going to stay on topic. So if you are confused about that or wonder about that, and are concerned about the real truth about what the Bible teaches about the dead, be happy to share that with you. Because without the biblical understanding of the concept of what happens when a person dies, the resurrection has no power. If the soul is separate from the body, floating around, there's no need for a resurrection, is there? But that's the glorious end. <laughs> oh, all right, I diverse. Okay, so what are people experiencing then? When they've gone and had a seance or they've had some kind of thing, then they feel, the, feel things happen to them. Well, some of those things could be merely psychological things that are happening to them. Happen, I had a I had a woman who uh, was in my church, and she came and talked to me after her husband passed away. He was 54 years of age, died of cancer. Wonderful man in my church. And this woman came, and she says, I just, I need to talk to you, Pastor. And so she came, and I said, well, what are you talking about? She says, well, I just need to let you know I'm in mourning, but certain things are happening. And she said, at night when I'm laying in bed, I can hear my husband moving around in the house. And I said, really? She says, I know, I know in my mind that he's not. But I hear the sound and my mind, in my grief, is playing with me. And so she said, it took me for a while to realize that what was happening is when the house would creak in the temperature or the 
a thermometer would click on the heater or whatever, it would kind of wake me and kind of, oh, that, he must be in the house. I've found that with many people who've lost loved ones who have that experience. And so I want to be careful before I say anything negative about that because it can be very real to them. But there is the possibility and so forth that, well, the reality is that in Revelation 12, we know that there's a war between Christ and Satan. And it is raging in our world today. And you can go and look in the Revelation 12, which is an incredible synopsis of, of the struggle. Revelation 12 lays out the war that is happening right from the very beginning between Christ and Satan that is taking place. And it said that great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. Leads the whole world astray. So there's a possibility... There's a possibility in this war that people can be deceived. Jesus gave us a warning about deception, didn't he? Jesus said, for, for false uh, messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Peter commented, be alert and sober-minded for the enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So God is at war, and it's about you and me. The struggle. Well, years ago, I was, I was pastoring, I'm not even going to mention the state of Oregon to you, so you won't even know where I was. But <laughs> when I was out in Oregon, I had a wonderful church and a wonderful church family. And there was a mother in that church. This is not her, but she's representing the mother. And she was very concerned about her children. She loved them. She had been listening. She'd been listening on the, to um, focus on the family. And she'd become concerned about the power of the devil, the power of the devil in its relationship with going through so many, so many avenues that can reach us. And she was very concerned about it. So much so that she was frightened at the avenues that the devil would have and the ways that he could come and attack her children to deceive them. Can you empathize with that a little bit? Can you kind of sense that kind of anxiety that she had? She was, she was very concerned about it, very upset about it. So as I talked to her, I began to see that she was really frightened. And so she was trying to set up things to block off Satan's avenues to that. So she was trying, no, got to be very careful about what's coming out on, on the television. Got to be very careful about this, about what they're reading. She, she began to put up these fences all around to guard, trying to help, but she was scared. I know people are worried about that. Or it is true. He is a roaring lion, seeking who may devour. Well, you know, the good news, that's what the gospel means, the good news. There is good news. 
there is good news for us. All right, it's time for you to open your Bibles. Find your Bible if you would. We're going to look at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. This may be a very familiar story to some of you. But I'd like you to look at it in the light of what we've been talking about. Look at this story with me together. Luke chapter 8. If you're at home, uh, find it Matthew, Mark, Luke, New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a part of the gospel series. Chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And I'd like for you to look with me at verse 26. So if you're at home, just reach down, go down, and find verse 26. They sailed to the region of Gerasenes, which is on the cross, the lake from Galilee. John and Marianne, when we were, and, and uh, Kendall, when we were there, we were looking at our hotel right across where this took place. It was on the other side of the lake. And I know you can visually see that. Well, you can imagine if you weren't there that you're looking across this lake, and it's across Lake Galilee on the uh, eastern side. So they had sailed there, the disciples had, and when, with Jesus, and when they got there, Jesus stepped ashore. He was met, the Bible says, by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he lived in the tombs or among the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, I would like for you to watch this really closely. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torture me. How did he know him? How did he know Jesus' name? Here's just people getting out of the boat. No newspaper. So how did he know? And why did he have great concern that Jesus was going to torture him? He says, please don't torture me. It raises serious questions about what took place at that moment, in that very place. For Jesus had commanded the Spirit to come out of the man. Many times the Spirit had seized him. And though he was chained from hand to foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into a solitary places. Rough character. I've often thought if I had been there, I'm sure the disciples were hot-footing it down the uh, beach to get away from this man. And here's Jesus. They turn around and look. Are we all okay? We're all safe. We're all safe. Yeah, yeah. Where's Jesus? So well, he's back there face to face with this man. And Jesus asked him, the Bible says, What is your name? Legion, he replied. Because many demons had gone into him. Many demons. And a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. And he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man 
And they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Okay, you're going to get this little part at no extra charge here, okay? Just this little part. And that is, <laughs> that is that, who owned these pigs? Well, they were owned by Jews. But Jews aren't allowed to touch the pigs. Okay? So they had to hire people to take care of the pigs, because they won't touch them. But they knew it could be lucrative business to be selling pigs around to whoever. So they weren't very happy when they saw their prophets go into the lake and drowned. And they complained about it. Okay, that you got at no extra charge. But here is what I want you to gather. Here, there is no doubt that Jesus is more powerful than Satan. There is no doubt that Jesus is more powerful than Satan. Why? Because he's God. That's why they were trembling. That's how they identified him. They knew him. The devils knew that they were facing the living God. They came face to face with the holy God. And that's why they say, please don't torture us. Was Jesus afraid? Not for a moment. And if you look at all the many different experiences in the New Testament about Jesus dealing with the devil, there's no fear in Jesus' heart. Because the battle was won by Christ on the cross. It was won by Christ. The battle was over. Oh, we're in the mop-up part. Remember when Jesus comes and can take us home? Yeah, we are stuck in a battle. Where the argument about where we are going to go, who are we going to side with, rages on. But the battle was secured with Christ on the cross. And it is amazing that a death of that man, of Jesus, could be the salvation doorway for all of us. The great beauty, the great beauty of the incarnation of the atonement of Christ upon the cross to secure for us eternal life is huge. Now, when I grew up, there was a hymn. I'm not going to sing it to you, but I'd like you to know the, notice the words. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm what? I am happy all the day. When I talked to that woman and she was afraid for her children, I said, are they secure in Christ Jesus? She said, well, what do you mean, Pastor? And I said, have you surrendered yourself and asking them, God and his holy angels to protect your children? Oh, yes. Then we have no fear. Because with Christ, there is no fear. Yeah, we may be anxious. Isaiah tells us, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. All right! What a great 
great news that is. The best news we could have is God is with us. No need to be afraid. Even in the next few days, I am your God. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. That would be a good one to memorize, wouldn't it? Keep in your heart. It's taught that as a child. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Oh, yes, thank you, Lord. So today, trick-or-treating tonight, I don't think there's anybody who comes down our little street. I'll try to say something. <laughs> but in this great world of anxiety and the threats to us and the raging war, this is why Paul and Peter and the others could stand firmly in Christ because they knew God was with them. So do not fear, my children, the Lord says, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Praise God for that great beauty. Dear Lord, I thank you that we can be yours and that we can be your children and that we can rest in your assurance to trusting in you, that you are our God, and we should not be dismayed. It's troubling, it's troublesome times and the worries and things that are going around our world, but you are our God. And we lean upon your great promises in the scripture. Give us comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before you go, I would like to uh, share with you just a few thoughts for you to carry the rest of the day. Would you do that? Something that you can carry on for the rest of the day. So as you go about, I'd like you to remember these three things and just kind of and you pick out one of them that may fit for you, but just carry it on with you. If you're at home, certainly you could write these down or have them. So, first one, is spiritualism themed ideas finding a place at your home and in your house? Now, what I mean by that is there are a lot of things on television now. There are a lot of things that are coming. I'm surprised at the religious theming that I'm seeing in television, aren't you? It's kind of shocking to see some of those things that are happening even, even in the entertainment part of the world of which religious themes are coming up of uh, people who are predicting the future, etc. So is spiritualism making its way into your home with those ideas? So maybe that would be something to think about. Do you sense, number two, do you sense God, sense that God is really in control of our world? Do you Sense that, believe that, sense that. Particularly going up through the next few days, huh? I had someone contact me, is this the end? Are we at the end? Be not dismayed, right? For he is our God. So, do you sense that? Do you, do you trust in that? And third, to what extent do you trust Jesus? To what extent do you trust Jesus? So I'd like you to remember those three things. If you would contemplate that as you leave and go out the day to day, to just kind of reflect on those about what you heard this morning and just let those concepts, those ideas, roll through your mind and for you to think, all right? All right. So those of you that are online, we're going to 
end our broadcast with you at this time. Um, we thank you. We look forward to having you next week at 11 o'clock. And we are online every morning. We have our morning devotional. You can find us at our website or on YouTube or on Facebook. It's amazing. If you look around, you'll find our, our things every morning.